Zach, so excited for you to be on Talking Church today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. What yeah. an honor. It's been a privilege to know you throughout the years, being friends. I feel like I have so much to talk about, even Absolutely. seeing you today. I'm like, oh, yeah. there's so much to catch up on. But I'm like, let's save it. Let's catch up <laughs> on the podcast. And so Would love that. You're doing well? I'm doing great. Back I mean, in Minnesota for now, loving it. You are... You're known to always be an optimist. We're going to get mm. to your book, See the Good, in a little bit here. Yeah. But every time I see you, you're yeah. always happy. You're always <laughs> joyful. And the, the ironic part is for me, uh, my dad always tells me, like, Logan, you always look angry. Yeah. And you <laughs> oh, always no. look bad. And when you go on stage to, to preach or, or receive yeah. offering or anything, yeah. you, you always look mad. And so I'm like, <laughs> I'm hoping that today you can bring yeah. the joy out of me, Zach. Uh, I, I hope so too. I yeah. know you as a very kind, uh, joyful guy. So Thank you. I, I've See? never, I've never thought that looking at you. Well, let, the dad, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Today's a new day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, but many people may know you from, uh, the Bible study and mm. maybe there's some listening and they go, Who, who's this guy? Well, yeah. I, I think they're going to love you, Thank but you. can you tell us about the Bible study, what it is? And then obviously there's been some updates. We can get yeah. into that, but you, Absolutely. that's kind of what started really this journey of book writing and, yeah. and now into a lot more. Totally. Yeah. I went through kind of a crisis of faith back in 2014 and I was f trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, what I wanted to believe. Uh, if I wanted to be a Christian anymore, I was raised in, in the faith and I hit a spot where I was questioning it all. I ended up moving out to Australia for almost a year where we studied the Bible really intensely for 12 hours a day, six days a week. And by the end of it, we had like an entire commentary on every book of the Bible. And so I realized that a lot of my friends aren't able to just get away and move to Australia for a year to study the Bible, but they still wanted to go through a similar experience. And so I wrote a book called The Bible Study, and it basically holds your hand as you read through the entire Bible over the course of a year and um, figure out how each book relates to your life throughout the process. So you, I guess someone might ask the question, what makes you qualified to yeah. write a book? Like what, how did you get over that? Like, sure. like some, I feel like all the time, whenever people bring up questions, like, are you a doctor? Yeah, are yeah. you a this? Totally. It's like, are you a theologian? Yeah. How can you write the Bible study? <laughs> For sure. No, I, I get that all the time and I, I still get it today. And I think God qualifies us when he has put a, a passion or a calling on our yeah. lives. And I know that might be like a Christianese way to thing to say, but mm -hmm. it's really true. Um, this book is, isn't very deep on my my opinion on things. It's pretty much even across the board, whatever you believe. And it, it is just holding your hand so that you read through the entire Bible and it asks questions to bring things to mind throughout. So when you write this, you think, okay, maybe someone else might want to do this, maybe your friends. Yeah. Take us through the journey a little bit of you write the Bible study it ends up, the end of the story, for those who are curious, ends up being yeah. really successful. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about even in the, in the book here about yeah. truckloads. I remember you yeah. posting Instagram stories of truckloads <laughs> yeah. leaving. Crazy. How did it get from <laughs> you're writing this, you said in your parents' basement, yeah. to sending out semis every week? Totally, yeah. I mean, praise God. Like yeah. That's really what it comes down to is God's hand was on it. Um, we approached the whole process as if it was an e-commerce business versus um, just a, a publishing house. And sure. so um, I wrote the book. I started reaching out to publishers. Every publisher turned me down. Every <laughs> literary agent turned me down. And I was like, well, I'm just going to do it myself. And 
So we ended up doing a Kickstarter campaign in 2017, and it was a successful campaign. We did $24,000 in pre-orders in 30 days, and I was like, oh, we might have something here. And we ended up releasing the book a few months later, and it didn't do very well. And I was like, what in the world? We just had this successful campaign. What happened? And I was really convicted that my heart wasn't in the right place with it. And as I rethought things, rethought what I wanted to do, um, kind of my heart behind the book in general, that's when it started to grow. And over the last three years, I mean, we were sending out a semi was coming up uh, to pick up pallets every single day for a while, which is like so mind blowing. Who would have thought I wrote it in my parents' basement. Yeah, no, I, I can attest to that because uh, we use the same, um, we're both here in, in Minneapolis, we use the yeah. same distributor. And yeah. I, I remember going in there and seeing all of it. <laughs> and you you put your stick, your face, a sticker of your face yes. on the box, every totally. single box. Yeah, I, you know, I thought it would be funny, like when the postman was like, oh, I need to return this book, where do I send it? Oh, we go to this guy because I just have my face on every box. And I did it as a joke for the first like thousand. And then people started commenting on it and saying that they thought it was so funny because to me, it's hilarious seeing thousands of books go out of your warehouse every day with a smile, <laughs> like a smiling face on it. That cracks me up. Yeah, and for me, it'd be a frowning face. I yeah. think, but. <laughs> but we're going to change that yeah, after exactly. today. Exactly. Yes. At the end of this episode, yeah. I, will, I will be hurting. We're making you stickers. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so now the Bible study, you, you're since kind of, I mean, that book exists and it's yeah. out there and now you're looking at other things. Talk about some totally. of the changes that have happened yeah. within the Bible study, but then also... I want to shift towards your your new book yeah, here, sure. and uh, just got done reading it, and it's it's so good, by the way. Thank like, you. I, I Thank feel like you. whenever I read a book that a friend sends me, I'm like, oh, good job, buddy. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and <laughs> sure. obviously proud of them, but I was I was really interested, and I listened to the audiobook, and I love that cool. you read the audiobook yeah, too. Yeah, so and fun. I always tell people read your own audiobook; it yes. means so much hearing it. So totally. anyway, I. I've jumped in front. But. No, absolutely. So with the Bible study, we ended up creating a business called The Brand Sunday. And it was basically the umbrella company of everything that we did. Just a bunch of tools to help people grow in their relationship with God and be less overwhelmed by the Bible. And so we ended up partnering with a big publisher um, about six months ago, and they kind of took over, uh, allowing them to really run with it because I think I I hit a wall for myself on how far I could take it, um, just doing everything independently. And I know that they could take it so much further. So oh, uh, we were acquired back in October of last year, which is insane to even think about. And it really opened up new doors for me to focus on what's next, for, to focus on releasing See the Good, and then some other projects I have coming out. When you're an entrepreneur, and what I've yeah. noticed about entrepreneurs is you can't stay still in a project for so long. Yeah. And you talk <laughs> even in the book about all the different things you've done, which yeah. seems crazy, like the yeah. the amount of things you've done just totally. in general. Again, oh yeah, I moved to Australia for a year and yeah, I did yeah. this. But entrepreneurs can't sit still and yeah. you always have to work on something new. So maybe we'll yeah. get into some of the things you're working on. But again, yeah. I want to talk about this book. Yeah. The book is called See the Good. What what prompted the title of that? Yeah, I think right now so often when you look around, people are so overwhelmed with, with life. They're very pessimistic. They look at the world and like, oh, everything's falling apart. But in reality, I really believe that God is still moving all around us. And I believe that if we focus on where he is moving and, and pull that out in our day to day, that we're going to be much more joyful. We're going to be much more happier in life. And that's what I really want is to get other people to be uh, joyful and, and enjoy 
enjoy their life instead of just getting through this life in order to one day get to heaven. Yeah, you talk at the beginning of the book about how all the the stats of how yeah. things have improved. And I've heard other people briefly talk about this, but yeah. can you share, maybe from memory again, putting yeah. you on the spot here, but some totally. of the things even just in the world, as we who are in ministry, yeah. we are in a lot of ways working with people who are coming out of difficult situations, but also yeah. seeing amazing things. But can totally. you talk about some of that? Yeah, I think it's so important to have a big picture perspective of how the world is right now and how we've improved over the last... 20 years alone. Like, it's amazing when you look at the stats, like for, uh, world hunger has uh, uh, decreased by 40%. Um, violent crimes are going down. Uh, literacy is going way up. Uh, extreme poverty is falling. Yeah, like, like it's cut in half every decade. Yeah, you it's know. insane. Since yeah. 1991, uh, cancer death rates have fallen 33%. Like yeah. that's amazing stuff. And we should be so grateful for that. But we look at it as like, oh, everything's falling apart and it's getting way worse. When in reality, when you get a big picture perspective on it, things are actually improving. Yeah, I was at a conference uh, the other week and one of the speakers shared a lot of those stats within the church. Yeah. And he said, we hear all these stories about how the church, and, and particularly I think it's because we have a very American view on sure. just life as Americans, uh, yeah. as we do, and all the Canadians said, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but he was talking about how evangelicals yeah. are actually growing twice as fast as the world population is. Wow. And so you think Crazy about guy. across the world and we're like, oh man, the Lord is, uh, you know, he's not doing anything or the yeah. church is shrinking and what are yeah. we going to do? And it's horrible. But when you actually look, that's not true. Right. Again, maybe in pockets or maybe in a certain country, sure. but you look across the world, that's not the case. Yeah. Um, someone else who's known to be a very positive person yeah. is by a guy by the name of Bob Goff. Totally. He happens to have written the foreword of uh, your book. Yeah. Talk to us about how that happens. I know it's, yeah. he's the guy that will answer the phone call, but yeah. just because he answers the phone doesn't mean he'll commit to do a foreword for the for book. Sure. Talk about about how that yeah. relationship started, how that's grown, two of the Absolutely. most positive people. I want to be in a room with both of you. <laughs> I've had the chance to spend some time with him, but yeah. t tell us, Bob uh, Goff did your forward. That's awesome. Absolutely. He's uh, probably the most inspirational person ever to me. Um, I've looked up to him for years and years, and I've been able to build a relationship with him over the last um, two or three years. Did really. you just call him, or how did it start? We ended up uh, bringing uh, our entire team out to his, he has a resort um, out, in, out in San Diego, just outside of San Diego, called the Oaks. And it's an amazing place to take your team, uh, to go out for workshops, just to get away and to grow. And uh, I knew that they were just opening. So we brought our entire team out there to do a one-on-one -on -one with him for uh, uh, like three days straight and just built that relationship. I kept going back out there. Um, so anybody listening, the Oaks is an amazing spot to really get centered and to, to grow. Yeah, in San Diego, yeah. anytime, you know, we're recording this here in winter yeah. in Minnesota, anytime <laughs> I can think about an excuse to uh -huh. go to San Diego, I'll 100%. make sure to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, my wife always questions why I go so much more often during this time of oh, year yeah. compared oh, yeah. to the summer, but no, that's it, it. We're just trying to be smart. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> exactly. So... So from that relationship, you said, hey, Bob, Bob, do the forward for my book. Yeah, I said I'd be honored if he if he would do it, and, and he agreed. And I mean, what a blessing. It's amazing. 
do you have a, a favorite Bob story? I, there's a few stories that I can think of that he told us just from, he spoke at River Valley a couple of times. Sure. Um, but is there one that jumps to mind? I think just everything that he, like his entire, <laughs> Everyone, his entire yeah. life is just so funny all the time. Yeah. So just being around him, he's always sharing stories, but it's also amazing. Like having his kids write letters to world leaders, asking them if they could come over for a sleepover yeah. and all of a sudden, after a few months, kids started or they started getting responses, and he was like, "Well, I promised that I would take the kids to the palace uh, of these people if they uh, accepted the invitation for a sleepover." And they started going to like palace after palace after palace. And being a seven-year-old kid, a twelve-year-old kid, I can't imagine what that would do. So it really inspires me for when I have kids one day. What what opportunities can I give them that are going to shape who they become? And uh, eventually, I really believe that things like that will make somebody change the world. Oh yeah, and he talks about the climbing Kilimanjaro. And just, yeah. I mean, there's so many stories. <clears throat> the Flying planes. I mean, if you if you read his books before, yeah. his his books are full of these amazing stories. But I remember he he said he cuts the hole out of his left pocket or one yeah. his right pocket, yeah, yeah, yeah. and if he puts anything in there, it'll fall down his pants. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. if I don't think about it. If I if it's not as important to me to where I yeah. actually think to put it in my good pocket, yep. then that means I didn't need it, and so I just leave it behind. It's totally. like what? <laughs> like some of the things that he says, and even like yeah. I quit. Some, he quits something every Thursday, right? Yeah. And he said one time I just I called this board I was on and I quit, and then he said yeah. the next day I just quit being a professor, and I yeah. and you're like. <laughs> It's just bizarre, but it's again, amazing. that way to live, again, yeah. it kind of is holding everything loosely, and I For see sure. that really in this book hmm. um, so well. And again, there were so many things in there that I love, not just because I'm also yeah. from Minnesota, yeah. um, sharing about the state fair and going out on the totally. lake and everything, but what has been some of the responses? And, and by the way, those who are listening, like, I wanted to talk to you here. Like, I, I yeah. know I'm talking about the book, but just yeah. just so people know, like, I want to talk about this. Um, this isn't an ad for the book, even though I'm yeah. doing it. Um, <laughs> but I just, I was so encouraged, and I was even sharing how there's just some discouraging things that have happened, like, even mm. this week. But then reading this, it lifts yeah. me. Mm. What has been some of the response you've seen from people as yeah. you're, again, you had the Bible study, but now you have a book that's more about you. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like somebody sent me a me message the other day and was like, hey, life was really tough. I was thinking of ending my life. And no then way. as I was reading your book, like things changed for me. And just getting messages like that, like, what? God, thank you that you've allowed me to be in that position. That's absolutely incredible. Um, so just hearing things like that, seeing how it is shifting people's perspective on life and making them more joyful and hopeful of the future, that's all I could ever imagine for, from it. Yeah. You talk in the book about working for a guy named Gavin Kaysen. And yeah. for those who maybe are not familiar with who he is, if you're from our area, you'd probably know him, but he's a yeah. world-renowned chef. Has, I mean, yeah. has restaurants all over, but it has a particular one called Spoon and Stable that you worked at. Yeah. It's generally known to be the, like, the number one restaurant yeah. in the Minneapolis area. When I was reading that, I, I, I knew we were going to have this conversation. I wanted to ask you about what it was like working for somebody like that. Because, you know, maybe people are out there and they work for a pastor that, you know, people ask me about like, what's it like working for your dad? Yeah. Um, but there's people that are well-known and are experts at their craft. And yeah. I always love, you know, we talk about Bob Goff. He's an yeah. expert at kind of everything and just for being sure. positive. <laughs> yeah. But talk a little bit about working for somebody that is really world-renowned, but then you have to work for him as 
a boss and an individual yeah. and you don't get to just see them on TV. Totally. You get to actually see them on the day to day. Yeah, absolutely. Gavin is an expert at his craft. Uh, he knows hospitality better than anybody that I've ever, ever met. I worked in the hospitality industry for like 12 years. So serving, managing restaurants, I helped Gavin open a restaurant as well. And just understanding the importance of making somebody feel special in a small moment. So from the moment that they walk in the door till the moment they leave, they're, they feel like all attention is on them and that everybody is there to serve them in the best way possible. And us as believers, like we're supposed to be hospitable to strangers. And so having a restaurant or having a church or uh, even just your house and focusing on the other person to make sure that all of their needs are met, making sure that they feel special no matter what is one of the best things. Yeah, it's interesting. It makes me think, would we rather have people have the best experience to, at a restaurant mm. or in our churches? Yeah, wow. In our small groups, yeah. on our on our teams. Like yeah. we want people to feel feel something. Yeah. But we want them to feel the presence of God. But yeah. what were some of the things that you would do sure. at those restaurants that were maybe those extra touches that yeah. were above and beyond? I think people just want to feel known or or seem like they they are known. And so it was very much uh we would take notes on almost everybody and we would know a lot about them. We would know what they liked, what they didn't like so that the next time that they came in, mm-hmm. we had we had notes on them so it would be like, "Oh, well, Zach, you don't drink, so I'm. We're we aren't going to bring a drink menu to sure. to him. Oh, uh, Zach's friend Caleb, he's gluten free, so we know that when Caleb's with Zach, he's always going to get a gluten free menu. And it was just things like that where you walk in, and it's like, oh my goodness, you guys are here doing this all this for me. That that just makes a for a really special moment, and it makes you want to keep coming back. Yeah, I mean, the word I think of is intentionality. Yeah, and it's ironic, but how often in churches mm. are we so intentional about our service orders? Yeah. We're so intentional about the way the screens look, about what we're wearing maybe, totally. all that, but we're not as intentional with people. And yeah. and I don't mean that to be like a dig on pastors. Again, I'm, I'm talking about myself here. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I started doing is anytime I meet somebody new, I just pull up my phone and I take notes about them. Yeah. Because Love I'm that. like, I know I'm not gonna remember you yeah if I just trust my memory. For sure. And I've done a lot of reading. There's a bunch of books about memory. There's a book called Unlimited Memory, I think by a guy named Kevin Horsley. Um, But he talks about all these memory tricks on how you can remember. But the number one memory trick is to take notes. Oh, interesting. And And I believe it. Because once you put it down somewhere, you're telling your brain that it's important. And again, how many families do people meet at church where a pastor will go, oh, great to meet you. And, And you immediately forget their name. Yeah, yeah. But if you forget their name, I think a lot of people, they they admit defeat at that point, right? Mm, yeah. And so they're like, all right, I forgot their name. It's already worthless. But yeah. could you remember something about them? And yeah. so even if I forget their name, I'll, I'll describe what they look like yeah. and then write all the things I know about them. Mm. And then this is what I do. And sorry, I'm, take, I'm hijacking the podcast. No, I love but, it. But I, I'll go up to them. I'll say, hey, I'm so sorry. I forgot your name, but I remember we talked last week. I remember you're an engineer. You work at this company. You just moved here from Delaware, whatever it is. Um, Can you remind me your name? Next time I won't forget it. Amazing. And whenever I say that, people are, they say, why do you say that? Yeah. Our brain is way like smarter. It seems weird to say that our brain is smarter. No, no, but it's true. Our brain is so powerful, maybe that's better, that if you tell it that it's important, your brain's going to recognize it just said important. I better for file sure. this in a better way. 
And so I've tried to do that. And again, I'm not perfect at it, yeah. but it's helped me so much totally. to, to go. I mean, how many times do you go to church yeah, and yeah. you see that person that sure. you, you've seen for a year straight, yeah. but you've never actually met? 100%. But you kind of pretend like it. Yeah. So right. I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know where I was going And it's not even just that. at church. It's at the gym or it's wherever. Yeah. And I think all of us have like these basic things that we say to people to make them feel good. I remember I was at a church and this girl came up to me and she's like, I just love that color on you. I was wearing a white t-shirt. <laughs> like it wasn't anything <laughs> that, that white, ooh, that yeah. ivory, ooh, that, that really beige. makes your eyes pop. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? But I think we we just get used to saying the same thing every time that we um, see somebody new, and it's like commenting on on something. But when you actually make it personal, it's a it's a game changer. So I got to remember to do that. I got to start taking notes on people. Yeah, and I also think with like that color looks great on you. I mean, obviously white, it's yeah. not. But but some people <laughs> need like like people who are really introverted. They need yeah. something yeah. that they can kind of fall back on. Hmm. So I'd encourage people actually, maybe totally. it's not saying white is yeah, a good yeah, color yeah. on you, but even having something where it's, this is the question that I'm going to ask them yep. that's deep enough that I'm comfortable with. For sure. And so I always think it's hobbies. And and yeah. reading your book, do you have every hobby of everything ever? <laughs> like you talk about surfing, and you talk about golfing, you talk about all these things. Like, is there anything Zach Wendell yeah. doesn't do? I, I just like to try new things. I like new experiences. I want to, I want to have fun and be out there. And there's nothing that I'll say no to for the most part. Well, be, be careful what you say, yeah. because um, <laughs> now that you're here, maybe we'll run out in the snow or something. Yeah, but, please. Um, talk about growing up. You, you talk a little bit about this in the book, but it wasn't always that way. Um, yeah. You you kind of share a funny story, but when you're a kid, you would vomit. I mean, <laughs> just vomit your food all the time. It sounds crazy. It's I don't. I guess I didn't know how to transition yeah. into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it was great. It was flawless. How? <laughs> What was going on? <laughs> I had anxiety when I was a kid and certain smells and like the excitement of a bunch of people in a place would just trigger it. And I would- hurl. Wait, the excitement of a yeah, bunch yeah. of people? Yeah, like if I went into the cafeteria at school in elementary school, I would walk in and there would be something with the smell and a hundred kids- rowdy, getting excited that I would just... Anxiety vomit. Anxiety vomit. Yes. <laughs> real I'm, vomit. Real vomit, yeah. like all over. My oh, teachers my hated it. And so they, for a while, they had to make me eat in the classroom by myself. And so my mom would pack my lunch so I could no longer... you? I, this was like fourth grade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like 18. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Like I would have to sit in the cafeteria, my mom would, or I sit in the classroom, my mom would make my, my food and the teacher would say, does anybody want to sit with Zach today? And kids would be like, oh, I don't want to sit with Zach. Because they got to stay back in the classroom. Because they got to stay back. They want to be with their friends. They want to be the ones inducing my vomiting. And <laughs> so I remember one day uh, there was a new kid in class and praise God for this new kid. He didn't know what he was getting into. Uh, first day of class, Teacher asked, does anybody want to stay back with Zach? And he raised his hand and Dave and I became close friends. We ended up living like two blocks from each other. And he was one of my best friends literally all through high school. So. Just because just because he sat with you when- That's it. That's crazy. Yeah. But So going from there, you- Get over this, I assume. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> uh, it happened a few times in 
junior high. It happened once in college. Uh, it doesn't happen much anymore. I, I found ways around it. Yeah, but you, so you talk as you got older that you were having these anxiety attacks. And yeah. so that you were having this, you talked to your doctor and you kept having these anxiety attacks, yeah. but you felt like there wasn't something right about it. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. For years, actually, I would go into the doctor and they would always be like, oh no, you're having anxiety. You have all these different things that you're dealing with. And I'm like, but I'm not an anxious person at all. I don't understand uh, where this is coming from. And uh, I I was doing my own research because I think when when other people can't figure something out, you start doing your own research. And I realized that every time that I was in really humid situations, be it the shower, a Minnesota summer, Australia, Miami, it would happen more often than not. And my body would just go into like shock and overdrive. The humidity. The humidity. And so these doctors and everything were saying that I was having anxiety attacks for years. So I was just right it off that I was an anxious person. And I, I didn't think that I was anymore. I, I was when I was younger, but I didn't think I was as an adult. And I, But we can, I think so often for all of us, people start saying things about us and we start believing it. And so over time, I just believed that I was an anxious person and these were anxiety attacks. When in reality, I just had an allergy that was making me stuffed and my brain was going in and my whole body was going into like shock because of it. So it's crazy. How did you fix it? I I didn't fully. I I think it's a it's kind of intense because there's like multiple layers to it. And yeah, yeah. Uh, different like uh, allergies, nose sprays, and Got things it. like that. Um, I think there's also like additional uh, acidic things in my stomach that are. Yeah, but you were convinced that it was something totally different. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. 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 I think it's so right. How often are we there? And uh, again, I'm sure there are people out there that would say, no, I, I have legitimate anxiety yeah, yeah. attacks. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, but yeah, that's, th- that can be frustrating. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. And a lot of my friends have anxiety. I think I do in, in small amounts every once in a while, but I don't, um, have it compared to a lot of my friends and man, just seeing the way that they, um, deal with things and it's, it's tough. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's a, Speaking of anxiety, um, during COVID, yeah, <laughs> that's the anxiety part. But you you got married during COVID. Got married during COVID. Talk Could, talk about you had quite the wedding. Yes, yes, <laughs> big 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 wedding. No, uh, so it was like the week before everything shut down, and we were sitting in our living room uh, with some of my friends, one of my employees, and my wife or my my girlfriend at the time. And they were like, Hey, just to let you know, the government buildings are closing tomorrow. And we were like, Oh no. Does that mean that we aren't going to be able to get a marriage certificate? We thought we were going to get married like nine months later. And so we called, uh, Miami. They were like, we're already closed. We called the next County over. They were closed. We ended up finding like two an hour, two hours away. If we drove there and made it in like two and a half hours, we could get our marriage certificate. So we were like, let's go get married. And we just hopped in the car and we drove across the state and we got our marriage certificate. And then when we actually got married, uh, there was six of us in, uh, in the woods, my parents on FaceTime definitely wouldn't recommend it. Um, (laughs) it was, but it was unique and it is what it is. We ended up having this big, like, uh, uh, beach house party for a bunch of our friends instead. And, um, it was, it was great, but, uh, it was fun. But it's kind of like making lemonade from lemons yeah. and doing 
I mean, it's kind of the theme of your story and your optimism and everything is turning things that are bad into really stories that you can share. And uh, were you, I mean, what was that like even like the beginning of marriage? You're not even seeing family. You're right in the midst of COVID. Like totally. You have this business that was, was the business kind of growing at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Growing substantially at that point. For yeah. sure, yeah. Uh, just being away from family is, is tough, for sure. Um, my wife's my wife's family was close to us, so we got to see them some. Um, but you're thrown into it. It's like, okay, for the next year, it's just you two pretty much on lockdown together and we made the best of it Mm -hmm. and you learn very fast. I think when you're thrown into things and and forced into it, you just learn to adapt and you learn to make the most of it. And so that's what we did and it turned into a beautiful thing. I want to talk a little bit about church in, in general, obviously we, we're, everything we do kind of revolves around that, but talk about how, what you've seen from the Bible study and maybe even talking to church leaders right now who feel overwhelmed by the stats. You read, you know, Gen Z, I think it's 6% of Gen Z is considered biblically literate who who are Christians. But you're selling all these books in the Bible study that people are reading and it's kind of contrary to some of the stats you see. What are just some trends and things that you're seeing as, again, as an entrepreneur who's always doing new things, who's traveling around, speaking at young adult things. Hmm. What do you see from this younger generation who, again, statistics would say they're not interested. What are some of those trends and themes that you're seeing? Yeah, I think a lot of Gen Z wants to have an authentic relationship with Jesus. And I think they want people to walk out their faith. So you see so many people that are like, oh yeah, I follow Jesus, but I I don't go to church because I don't want to be associated with Christians. And I think that's a major issue because Uh, that means that the Christians that they're seeing aren't living out the lifestyle that um, we believe is, is right. And so I think instead of just learning things all the time, we need to actually live it out. So we need to be feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, like clothing the, the, the naked, like things that Jesus said from a very actionable, um, pretty simple theological standpoint. Um, I think that's going to change so much if we learn to adapt that into our day to day. Yeah, and I think so many, so many young people want to get involved, um, but but I think there's two sides of that coin. To where on one side you have leaders who feel like no, you need to earn that. You mm-hmm. don't just get to lead from the front. But then yeah. on the other side, without empowering people, they maybe never will step into that opportunity mm-hmm. because when are you ready, right? When are you ready to get married? When are you ready to be a parent? When are you ready to do all those things? Totally. Uh, I think that's so huge. You're, you're, again, we talk about your optimism and your positivity, but what are things that keep you up at night? Hmm. Keep me up at night. If anything, right? (laughs) Man, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if much keeps me up at night right like, is now. Is there anything that may, like you look in the world as kind of someone with an entrepreneurial spirit and you yeah. say, this is a problem that I see in the world that I mm. don't see it's been solved yet? Yeah. I think it goes back to... Um, I think I think in the Christian space, it's different from, from other spaces. Sure. But I think it is like 
helping people live out their faith in actionable ways and just giving people the boost and the resources to do that. And I think that's uh, that's one of the greatest things that we can do right now. Mm-hmm. And um, as a church, we have the ability to make those resources and to be a prime example for what that looks like. And so I'm all about it. Uh, I think I think Gen Z is going to change the world um, if they get a hold of, of this Jesus revolution. I think it's going to mm-hmm. completely... Um, shock the world through there. Yeah, that's awesome. Is there of, I mean, in, in the book, you talk about so many things that you've done and I'm sure there's a lot of things that you're preparing to do. Yeah. Maybe as we come to a close, can you share a little bit about what you're dreaming about, what your next steps are? Again, you, you, uh, get the Bible study in the hands of a a publishing group, you get your book out. In a lot of ways, it's like you've done it. Congratulations. But as we've talked about as an entrepreneur, it's... It's the be- the beginning is every day. Totally, yeah. So what's next for Zach? For sure, I think I just love creating. I realized over the last four years that I don't necessarily r- love running businesses, but I love the creation process. So like we had hired a COO just to run our company for us, which allowed me to write and create new products. And so that's kind of the spot that I'm at right now is this whole new, it's a new phase of life for me. It's a, it's a huge beginning. Um, so working on a new book, working on some online classes to help other people release uh, their own um, books as well and uh, hopefully start businesses that change the world. Uh, Going to be speaking a bunch uh, in this next year. Yeah, I think we're speaking together at a conference coming up. So I, Amazing. I saw that at a the young adult event. So, awesome. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Come on. I'm excited for that. Can't wait. We'll get to continue our conversation. Love it. Um, well, this has been fun. I, again, there's so much so much more we could talk about. Again, I feel like yes. there's so many stories in here, but I'd really uh, recommend for anyone who's feeling like, man, I just need a little bit of dose mm. of good in the world. Yes. This is a great resource. Thank See the you. good. Um, but more so, just even you in general, and hmm. and you post on social and just encouragement. Yeah. And again, you you ooze this encouragement, and so <laughs> as promised, I'm the, I'm smiling yes. at the end of this. Got to make some stickers. Um, you have your your smiling hat on. You have smiling <laughs> stickers. You have all of it. But yeah. uh, would there be any encouragement to again being somebody who you're not a pastor in the sense of working in the church, but you're a Christian entrepreneur in the way. What would be maybe your final message to pastors and church leaders who, you know, most people listening are day-to-day working in the church, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on how they can encourage people like you Mm. who are in their churches. Because in a lot of ways, for us who are in ministry, we love cheering you on and we love that you can start businesses and do these things, but our call is to the church. Right. But sometimes I feel like we struggle as pastors yeah. to pastor people like you yeah, sure. because you're like always doing something new and 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 yeah. I'll shut up after this but the the two things I think people struggle with is one the entrepreneurial attitude is intimidating. Yeah. Because they feel, well, well, I shouldn't I be coming up with these great ideas in the church? Sure. And then on the other side is they don't know what to do with that energy. And yeah. so it kind of goes together. But could you totally. talk about maybe people in your life who've helped get you where you are today yeah. and maybe some advice you'd give to pastors on how they can help cultivate 
people like you. Sure. I think, I think it's often that, that pastors or, or people in the church will just push away, just like you said. And so I think really pulling people like me in and engaging with us and even just asking us questions and giving us a voice at the table would be super life-giving for any entrepreneur out there because uh, we, we love seeing a problem and we love finding a solution for it. And so if you came to, to me and were like, hey, this is what we're dealing with, uh, where does your brain go with it? I think that's where uh, people like me would really thrive. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so. giving those opportunities. Do you? Yeah. W- what do you feel like is the biggest? You, you, know, you talk about your. Um, you kind of walked away, or were, were seeking, and yeah. had that time in Australia. Was there something specifically that that led you that way? Because again, you talk about growing up, yeah. and now you're on fire for God, using your gifts in that way. Yeah. But not everyone has that same story to where yeah. they come back. Was there was there something that you saw as a young person that uh, kind of made you go down that path? Yeah, I think. Uh, I think seeing people not living out their living out their faith really and being extremely judgmental of just the world was a huge turnoff for me. And then I saw a lot of people that weren't in the church that uh, believed something different, that were the most kind, mm. generous people around. So I was kind of having this crisis of faith, like, well, who do I want to be associated with? And I think a lot of people are going through that right now, yeah. deconstructing their faith. And most of the time, it has nothing to do with God. It has something to do with something that somebody in their church said or, yeah. or the way that they were treated. And so they pulled back. And I think that's similar to what happened with me. Me. And once I actually focused on just the Bible and getting to know God personally, that's when everything changed for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think if anybody's listening that is like on the verge of walking away or stepping back is like, make sure that you're stepping back because it has something to do with God and not other people. Because I think God's always going to be there for you and is going to continue chasing after you. And I really do believe that if you spend time diving into scripture, spending time in prayer and in worship, you're going to thrive. That's, yeah, it's so good. Such a reminder. And Mm -hmm. I think even for pastors out there to create that space for people. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've noticed, and we can end with this because I said I would end. I'm a, I'm a true pastor. <laughs> I have two closes. Um, but p- I think sometimes people are afraid of questions mm. because maybe because they don't know the answers. Yeah. But I've seen, especially for young people, but people who see maybe some of that, hey, that doesn't seem to add up. Yeah. And then a pastor's, well, no, we can't talk about that or we can't answer, mm. ask that question. To me... I would encourage pastors and anyone, anyone who's a Christian, yeah. a question is such a good thing. Yeah. Because that means that they're they want to know the answers. And totally. what we believe is that the Bible has those answers. Yeah. And the, the Bible is clear. The deeper you go, there's more to it. And so for, sure. for anyone who feels intimidated by like like and I, I think there's some truth where there are some young people that ask it without they don't sound respectful or yeah, yeah. tell me that answer or you're totally. just you're old and you're this. It's like, whoa, whoa, right, settle right. down. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of people, creative people and people who express themselves in, in entrepreneurial ways, yeah. they're seeking because they don't know. Yeah. They're not trying to be combative. And um, obviously, maybe a year studying the Bible, that, that's yeah. helpful. But um, for so many, we'd love them to stay in churches, do that, yeah. uh, be entrepreneurial, yeah. uh, see the good. Let's go. And uh, man, I'm, I'm excited for all that you have coming mm-hmm. up. I'm sure Thank people uh, who are interested, they can get the book, but follow you on yeah. social, stay in touch with everything that's Thank going you. on. And uh, Zach, it's been it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Oh. I love that you could be on Talking Church today, yes. and uh, just 
be blessed with all that you have going on. And I'm sure we'll see some new things from the from all that you have going on soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, man. It's an honor.